I'm Neil Carter, the pastor at Rocky River Presbyterian Church. Thank you for joining us through our podcast. And let me extend a personal invitation as well to join us at RRPC in person Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. This season in the church is a rather odd time. We call it ordinary time, a time where there is no real special celebration like Advent, Christmas, or Easter. Some find it difficult to speak of time and faith as ordinary. But if you think about it, we have a lot of ordinary days in our lives. Even still, God is the God of special days, and God is the God of ordinary days. So come journey with us. May you be renewed and empowered, comforted, and challenged as we listen to and for God's Word together today. Hi, I'm Neil Carter, the pastor at Rocky River Presbyterian Church, and thanks for joining in to our sermon podcast today. We hope you find God's love, grace, and challenge as you listen to and for God's Word. The New Testament lesson today is found in Philippians, chapter 3, verses 3 through 14, found on page 198 in your pew Bibles. Even though I, too, have reason for confidence in the flesh... If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, These I have come to regard as lost because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through the faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I may have it made my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So it's race season, I guess, around here, I've noticed. This race weekend, right? Right. Well, here's the thing. Uh, until uh, we moved back this year, or last year, it's the first time I'd ever been in the Speedway. Even though I grew up over on Sedgefield Street, had never been in there in my entire life until we came back this time to be here. I know it's big for the economy. It's important for our region. And of course... I still know so little about NASCAR. But in my continued thirst for knowledge, to be this lifelong learner, 
I went and I found some things on MRN Motorsports Radio Network. The go-to phrases that are repeatedly and frequently used throughout the season by broadcasters, announcers, media members, drivers, crew chiefs, officials, and even fans. I've used the ones that I could use in, in here. How about that? And very few of them, if any, mean anything to me. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is driving like his daddy. I bet that's not true. But that's just me. He drove the wheels off that thing. That's, he's driving like Jack the Bear. Now, I have no idea what that means. Um, now that we've won a race, the rest will come in bunches. I don't know what that means either. Checkers or wreckers? I do know what that means. <laughs> now, I must confess, this is just in my own head. I misread this one the first time. It's pass in the grass. I thought it said pass the grass. <laughs> I thought, isn't that more like a, like a Grateful Dead concert than, a, than NASCAR? Passing the grass. But then I got it, grass down in the, okay, yeah, okay, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> rubbing is racing. Now, I like that one. I thought that's kind of, you know, rub, okay. Um, driving like his hair is on fire, and we lost the track. Uh, to finish first, you first must finish. Wow, that's kind of philosophical and deep and heavy. <laughs> and, and then some others, you know, we, we ran out of laps. I get that, I get that. And at the end of the day, boy, that's an overused cliche, not just in NASCAR. We just, it's just overused everywhere. And the car's a rocket ship. That was kind of one of my, guess my favorite. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. <laughs> but NASCAR is not the only cliche factory there is out there. There are others, you know, that we say kind of perseverance ones. When the tough gets going, or, or when it gets tough, the tough gets going. Quitters never win, and winners never quit. We use cliches like that all the time to stress our persistence and to move forward. Uh, the notion of cliches, old cliches, to contribute some kind of sense for the greater society. The notion of not giving up on something if we just hang in there. We'll see the light at the end of the tunnel, those kind of things. Well, Paul is writing to the church in Philippians, and he has this notion of persistence for them. He knows, he knows about persistence and how he has to, to keep going and keep pressing forward. And it's not about a persistence of success or in that way that we think about but it's a persistence of faith and a persistence of the soul. Like I told you last week, Paul's writing from prison. He's on his way to Rome. More than likely, he's on his way to Rome to be tried and then to be executed. So he's in a cell, which is probably a hole in the ground, maybe something to that effect. He's certainly confined. He's not sitting out at Lowe's Motor Speedway today watching cars go around an oval. Of course, I guess we all know that NASCAR wasn't big in Paul's day yet. But Rome did have this. Rome had chariot races. And that was their big deal. Their thing. So I suspect that in their day, 
checkers or wreckers or rubbing as racing would be okay with the chariots going around the track because chariot racing is at the heart of the metaphor he's using for them today. So this fellow who's stuck inside, confined in a jail cell of some sort, uses this athletic, physical, out-moving-around active metaphor for his point. He's probably thinking of when he gets to Rome, there's the Circus Maximus, and that was the big stadium for their day. It was created for chariot racing a few, maybe four or five hundred years before Paul. So the Circus Maximus was their sports stadium that would hold at that time 150,000 people. It later grew to be big enough to hold 250, but in his day, 150. It's much like sports arenas we have, had places out front where they would sell things, I guess, for your favorite chariot racer, you'd get his t-shirt and his cap. And the chariots were actually color-coded. They were red and white and green and blue. Had teams of four or six or twelve horses. And actually, victorious chariot racers became wealthy and won large cash prizes and became darlings of the crowd. They used to bet on them. See, this is just like sports today. And the most famous racer of all was probably Scorpus. He won about 2,000 races in his day. And here's the thing about winning a, a race. You had to have your eyes fixed forward. You had to be looking forward and you dare not look behind you in a chariot race. Lest the slightest pressure from the reins kind of pull the horse the wrong way or let up. And then you'd have a wreck. Either cost you your life. Certainly lose the race. So for the chariot racer, he talked about having the pressure on the reins, pulling the reins tight and pressing forward, pressing to the finish for the prize. He was pressing on and he's saying, I'm going that way. It's right in front of me. I'm going that way because that's the way I'm supposed to be going. I'm not worried about looking behind me. Some of y'all. Probably written. This is a very dated reference for the, the great gumball rally, the movie that came out in the 70s. The Italian racer who was in the gumball rally gets in the car, pulls off the rearview mirror and tosses it out of the car and says, what's behind me is not important. And that's what's happening here. What's behind him is not important. It's what's in front of him. That's where he's headed. I'm going that way. So does that sound familiar from what Emma maybe just read? I do not consider that I've made this on my own. But this one thing, forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Jesus Christ. Keeping the reins and I'm going that way. For Paul, he's pressing on in a way to get closer to Christ for Christ in his life. He's not trying to beat anyone else. If I get to Christ first, I'm the winner. He's just saying I don't look back. He's saying I look ahead toward Christ with a single-minded purpose. Jesus said something to the same effect, didn't he? For the, He used a farming metaphor. He said if you're plowing, and if, 
if you look back, you don't deserve the kingdom of heaven. So you put your hand in the plow and you look forward. Why? Because if you start looking back, you start... When I was an electrician and we had a trencher, they never would let me use the trencher because, I don't know, I, my attention span was about like that long. And so I'd dig and I'd look back and that thing would be going... And they'd always told me, they said, man, you cost us about 20 more foot in pipe because you're just you're so out there. He's saying, hey, you know, forward, looking forward. So says, Paul's thinking about these chariot races and he knew the dangers of looking back, what it could cost you in the race and in the life. He knew that pressing on was the way. I'm going that way, that way. Because when you're looking back, past achievements can cause complacency for racing. And you know when past failures can also cost you as well. So Paul was thinking both of those things, past successes and past failures, both of them pushed aside. They don't matter anymore and they need to be forgotten. Leave the past right where it's at. I'm pressing on toward this other objective. And it's the price. And it's called Christ. Paul's saying, I'm going that way. I'm going that way. I tell Candace as a father all the time, this thing is a marathon. It's not a sprint or a hundred yard dash. Our race is not yet finished. There's this African proverb that says the race is not to the swift, but to the one that endureth to the end. You see, the work of faith just isn't finished. It's not complete. There's still so much to do in Christ. And much to be achieved in the quest of our faith journey with Christ. And that's a notion that we put in music as a faith people for years, the old spiritual of perseverance. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, no turning back. No turning back. Bob Dylan sings it. I'm pressing on. Pressing on to the higher calling of my Lord. Shake the dust off my feet. And don't look back. I'm pressing on. Pressing on to the higher calling of my Lord. Ralph Stanley sings it this way. Having been saved by grace divine, I'm going that way. Mary Hafer lived at Scotia Village, which is a Presbyterian retirement home and retirement community, really. Mary spent her entire life with her faith, pressing on to this higher call of the Lord. Mary and her husband, they always called him Hafer. They ran a church camp for years and years and years, giving their life to the youth that rolled through that camp, committed to it. As a matter of fact, Mary celebrated her 100th birthday in church, coming to church. She came to church faithfully, 
until the last few years of her life where a hip surgery at the age of 101 took her down. So she couldn't come to church, but she still came to Bible study that we held at Scotia Village until a few months before her death. And I always thought she would cut back. You know, you think when you hit 104, you probably can go, "Ah, I can take it easy now, right? You know, and I asked her about that and her reply was this. When I decided to follow Jesus, I did not promise to follow him just a part of the way. Promise to serve him all the way. And that's what I intend to do. She was 105 when she passed away. But she was always going that way. Paul's not only speaking to individuals, of course, here. He's talking to the church as well about moving that way. Because churches can do that. We can fall into the trap, can't we? Look at past achievements and go, boy, we've been a great church for a long time. We can take a break. Or we can look past in the back and past and say, boy, we've had a lot of problems around here. We can't be what other churches are. The good and the bad. Past best be forgotten and leave the past right where it's at. We're pressing on to another objective. The prize. Well, Paul's saying, we're going that way. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. All else just fails in comparison. I know, like I said last week about this letter from Paul, it's idealistic. At least maybe we think that way. Some might say you just don't understand the world that we live in or all the suffering in the country lately. It's easy to take our eyes off that which is in front of us. You don't understand my situation, preacher. It's different. I know that there are illnesses here. I know that there are serious illnesses, struggles in the family, financial challenges, relationship challenges, loss of family members. So yeah, you're correct. I probably don't know everything that you're going through. But I can ask you, as someone who loves you and cares for you, hold on and press on and keep going that way. For those who find it difficult to keep your eyes on the prize because of all that's going on around you, distractions, please keep going that way. When I decided to follow Jesus, I didn't promise to follow him part way. I promised to serve him all the way. Pressing on is not a race between each other or other churches or other congregations, other communities. Pressing on is about holding it together for Christ that we might grow and share that faith with others around us. This was supposedly put on the wall of Mother Teresa's home in uh, Calcutta, India. People are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are successful, you will win some unfaithful friends 
and some genuine enemies succeed anyway. If you are honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy other overnight. Create anyway. If you find sincerity or serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Keep pressing on. Keep going that way. Thanks be to God. Amen. This is Neil Carter thanking you once again for listening to our podcast at Rocky River Presbyterian Church. You can also visit us at our website, complete with our online donations for those wishing to give. Come check us out at our Facebook page or follow us on Twitter. Or if you're in the Harrisburg, North Carolina area, feel free to drop in and visit us in person. Thanks again for being with us today.